Hello. Welcome to Birth Connecting Podcast, where we talk about all things birth, postpartum, early parenting, doula work, and business. Hosted by yours truly, Reveille Sinclair. So I'm super excited today to be coming to you to talk about a topic that hits home a couple of times a year, and that is holiday induction. So this this is a podcast episode for doulas, but some parents might take uh, some tips from this when you find yourself with an expected due date around a major holiday. And I'm speaking specifically to people who live in the United States. It might not hold true in um, other parts of the world like Canada or internationally, but here in the U.S., there is a, an intense pressure that starts mounting as we get towards a national holiday that is widely recognized. And I will call out just a few. I would say Christmas, New Year's, Memorial Day, Labor Day, but very acutely Fourth of July. <coughs> And so I wanted to bring up this topic because today is July 4th and I spent the last five days or so talking, fielding calls and text messages from parents, from doulas who were navigating the pressure to be induced this weekend. Okay. First of all, we... I, I, I'll I'll break down my advice to you all and you can take the ditties from there. I'm going to do my best to stay really focused and linear, but uh, I want to give it to you the way I gave it to the doulas <laughs> when they message me. And if you know me, you know, I love a good audio note. So I feel like I have been talking about this quite a lot over the last couple of days. And it made me just say, you know what, Revee, just put it in a podcast that way, when uh, Labor Day comes at the end of summer and when Thanksgiving comes in November and December comes um, or Christmas and New Year's come in December, January, all you have to do is share the podcast link. So that's what I plan to do. So number one, induction should happen when there is a medical reason. Last time I checked, the 4th of July or any other holiday, Christmas, New Year's, was not a medical reason to be induced. Being medically necessary means like for the sake of the life of the birthing person, or there is something not going well with the placenta or the baby, that there's a reason um, to induce because it's safer to have the baby out than to keep the baby in. So number one, when there is an approach about you know, the conversation about induction, we're not going to these studies, these research studies that say, oh, you should induce certain people because of their age or their BMI or whatever by week 38. Baby's full term, no need to keep baby in. I don't know why I'm doing that voice, except I can imagine that this generally male doctors who are having this conversation. Um, And it's not medically necessary. You are an individual. A research, a study is a study. 
when we are being cared for by our providers, I think a lot of us expect, and if you don't, you should, expect really personal care. Like, look at my factors. Look at what I am presenting to you, not what the research says. But I think care providers reach out, (coughs) excuse me, and lean on the research when it's convenient for their purposes. Now, it's important to have a sense of what might be their purposes or their motive for suggesting an induction when you don't actually have any reason, like medical reasons. Uh, One might be they want to take vacation. Let's keep it real. Nobody wants to be working the long weekend in the middle of the summer in July. Okay. So when you are a more seasoned doctor, a lot of times you get the pick of the draw when it comes to uh, holidays. And 4th of July is one of those up there. Uh, where people want to be off. People want to be with their family. A lot of times there's events, weddings, family reunions, lots of stuff scheduled around this long weekend, Essence Fest this this year. You know, people are like, I'm out. And what they don't want is to be waiting at a hospital for your baby to come necessarily, even if that's their job, even if they accepted you as a client around this time. So the more seasoned doctors generally are looking to clear their schedule, lighten their load so that whoever is going to be covering their service while they're away for the long weekend, they are not bogged down with a bunch of births. But also they want to go ahead and realize their money. Okay. So if they birth you, get you all birthed before the weekend, they cha-ching, they get to get paid. The, The money goes into their bank account, not someone else's, not the backup service or the hospitalist the general, you know, the hospital doctor who's on call. And so sometimes the motivation is money. And I, I think we hate to say that people are probably really hesitant to say that out loud. And if I, you know, if you're listening, people might cringe, but listen, birth is business. Hospitals are businesses. They make money. And you better believe that managing staff and the resources, and some of those resources are money, is at the top of their mind when they are making decisions. Now, as a patient, you want to be the priority. And while you are a factor, sometimes you're just one of several other factors that make them uh, (laughs) make some decisions or add some pressure. Um, And so I think it's important to keep that in mind that how you present is not necessarily the only factor that they're... um, considering when they are talking to you about induction. Also, we know that uh, the research, we go to the research, uh, labor starting on its own gives you the best chance of avoiding a C-section. And many clients are hoping they have a doula, they may have a midwife or whatnot, but they are hoping to avoid a cesarean section. And so letting labor start on its own gives you that opportunity. So when I hear people, you know, start entertaining a conversation that their doctor's presenting about an induction, I say, well, well, let's go back to your goals. What was the goal? The goal was to have a a vaginal birth, ultimately to avoid a C-section if possible. Okay. Well, then if you go into an induction, you're already pulling back uh, from 
your goal, your your goal of having uh, of avoiding an unnecessary C-section. So sometimes parents need to be reminded of that. You need to be reminded of that even when the pressure is on and the doctor is presenting their agenda. Also, around this time when they're driving towards an induction, they may have started warming you up. <coughs> Excuse me. They may have started warming you up a week or two before by having vaginal checks. But vaginal checks are not necessarily if you are not having contractions and there's no sign of early labor or that the baby's coming out. What they do is oftentimes the vaginal checks are used to say, okay, no, okay, you're thick and closed today. And then they do another check. Mind you, you're at the end of your pregnancy and you're probably hot, tired, achy, ready to have this baby. So you're in other words, you're vulnerable to the information that's given. And if you hear a couple of weeks in a row that, oh, your cervix isn't changing, your body isn't doing it, you might, those, that, those are conversations that start to plant seeds of doubt in your body about whether your body can do this, about whether your labor will start on its own. And if they start to set up these seeds of doubt two weeks prior to the holiday, by the time they get right upon the holiday and they really want to induce you, they'll say, well, listen, we've been trying this for a couple of weeks now. Your body's not changing. Your cervix isn't changing. We should just go ahead and get the baby out. It sets up something in your mind that you need the help or that your body is broken or that if you don't induce, it won't happen on its own. And so understand that sometimes, and it, it, it sounds bad, but sometimes you're being set up. You're being set up. So if, again, if you have an expected due date close to a holiday, and I do this with my doula clients, I, I tell them very early in my work with them, understand that you're probably going to get the pressure about two or three weeks out from your due date. Let's not be surprised. Let's be prepared prepared and armed with information and mostly with confidence that my body can wait. Uh, we will wait till we get the signals from the baby and my body that it's time to birth. So, you know, you know, doc, if you want to go off and have your vacation, go have it. Uh, I'm not subjecting my body to an unnecessary induction. So trying to get people ready to have that conversation and be really confident in their body, but they're not ready and there's no need to rush it. Um, especially not going into a holiday weekend. Now, I want to talk to you about holiday weekends and what it looks like on the staffing side, especially in the month of July. There are a couple of things that are happening. Weekends in general, you don't have your top, top docs <coughs> and more senior you know, season people working the weekends. A lot of times they work Monday through Friday. Those people work prime time, right? They work during the week and they generally have the weekends off. So it's not unusual to have the newer people or the B team on the weekends any time of year, but especially during a holiday weekend, those people who are newer got to choose their vacation days later or secondary to the more senior people. And so you might have the people who are less seasoned, less knowledgeable, not as much of an expert on duty on a weekend, but especially on a holiday weekend. So this is not 
like, in my opinion, ideal time to get sick or be in the hospital um, or have a baby when you don't necessarily have all the specialists and all the techs and all the, the people who've seen all kinds of things. Um, we often are choosing an institution to birth in because they have seen lots of things or they have a higher level NICU. But some of that benefit is reduced on a weekend and, and even further reduced on a holiday weekend. A simple example is a lactation consultant. There are a lot of institutions where the lactation support person, the breastfeeding specialist, is not on duty on the weekend. So imagine a holiday weekend where they have the opportunity to be off call and they often do choose it. They want to be with their families. They want to be out in the world enjoying the summer or the holiday, the winter holiday. So just think about that and just understand that those institutions that you go to often for their expertise and for the senior seniority and all the, all the knowledge, a lot of times it's not there on the holiday weekends especially like a weekend like 4th of July. There's another specific feature of July 1 <laughs> that people definitely don't think about. And it's what fuels our medical system and its residents. A lot of institutions are teaching institutions and a lot of us are birthing in those spaces. And you wanna know what happens July 1? New residents who have just graduated from medical school and are starting their first year residency. You know what day they begin? They begin at the beginning of July, July 1, if you will. Well, guess what? Their first foray is often around the 4th of July holiday. So, honey, let me tell you, they don't know anything. Like they know they have book knowledge. They're completed with their book knowledge, but they often don't have the touch, the feel, the experience. That's why they're doing a residency to get that specialization. But I will tell you, having been birthing with people for 20 years, I generally like to avoid first year residency birthing, like teaching institutions around the month of July because they just don't know. So what does that look like? A first-year resident might do a cervical check, but then the attending has to come right behind them and do another one. So instead of getting one check, you get, a, you get two. And people aren't prepared for that. If you don't understand how they learn, they learn by touch and feel and do. And they're going to touch and feel and do on you. And they're learning. Yes, they have an attending with them, but they're learning. And uh, for some of my families that might be okay, they realize, yes, I taught, I chose a teaching institution. But when you think about that, you're usually expecting to have the third year, fourth year residents. You don't think about that you might be birthing um, with a first year resident right at the beginning of their residency in the month of July. So be aware, be aware. It's another reason why I just encourage my families, if you can stay pregnant <laughs> through the holiday, stay pregnant. Let's just get through this. And you might not be the most comfortable and you might not be the most mobile and it might compromise how you celebrate a little bit because you're still pregnant and you're really, really pregnant and you might be having um, prodromal labor off and on. And you're like really ready to go into labor and be done and get your baby in your arms. All of that is a hundred percent understood, but 
when you're thinking about that and then you add the the pressure of an induction around a holiday, I hope that you will also now think about some of these things that I've offered you. Think about the safety protocols. One of the reasons that you chose a particular institution was for the more senior docs, the more seasoned education and seasoned hands holding your, you know, catching your baby. <clears throat> you might not get that around the holidays or the weekends. So if you can be so gentle, I would say, to push back on your care providers and make it really clear that um, no thanks, you know, to those inductions, especially, I'm talking about the ones that are not medically necessary, but are kind of convenient. They could be convenient for the doctor and the team, but also maybe feeling like it could be convenient to you. Um, because you're like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to be done. I, I just encourage you, stay pregnant. Stay pregnant until Monday, until the weekend has passed. Uh, keep your legs closed, rest, hydrate, enjoy the holiday as best you can, and wait for the full staff to come back, right? All rested, refreshed. They're feeling amazing. They got this great energy. And then they can help you, help support your birth. I, I just think that it's 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 important to consider having your those top docs, having those specialists, having all the support around those first year residents, all that netting to catch them um, and to catch you. That's that's ideal. That's probably what you have in mind when you chose a particular institution. And so in order to maximize that, you may just want to avoid a holiday induction. So that's what I have for you all today. I hope that these tips were helpful. I hope they gave you something to think about and something to use to arm yourself with, if you will, as you are moving into the ending, you know, the end of your pregnancy and shifting into the transition of birth. Think about how and when and with whom you'll do that birthing experience with. As always, you know, I'm going to promote a doula, a lactation professional, um, a midwife to support you as you go into your, your, your parenting journey. We're all here to surround you and to support you and be an extension beyond the actual birth and into those early parenting months. So Godspeed to you all. I hope that your birthing experiences are sweet and full of power and strength and beauty and love. All right. Talk to you soon.